The Ask a CEO Show is brought to you by Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning agency telling personal and brand stories for more than 30 years. From strategy to production and execution, they are a true full-service agency. Check them out today at LorraineGregory.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Ask a CEO Show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg Demetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews. Greg has been in the business for over 30 years. He is a resource to the media, an invited columnist and speaker on marketing and business topics. Over the years, Greg has talked to hundreds of CEOs and executives about what it took to make it to the corner office and what it is really like being the leader of their companies. And now, he brings those conversations to you. Here's Greg now. Welcome, everybody, to Ask a CEO. I'm Greg Demetrio, the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, and the Ask a CEO show gets us inside the C-suite of major companies to find out what the reality is in running the companies day to day. So today we have a very special version. We have two guests, uh, which is a little unusual for us, but the topic is big enough. I think it can accommodate two professionals. So I have two, um, two partners of the major accounting firms in our region. Um, Mr. Bob Quarte, who is the managing partner of ABZ. It's a 70-year-old accounting, financial strategy, and consulting firm. Uh, and he's been doing this, Tom, for how long? For, for me, 38 years. 38 years. Wow. God bless you. You look 29. Thank you. <laughs> I, I know I liked you. Right. And I have Tom Lowenberg, who's the Lowenberg of Fuller Lowenberg CPAs which is a full-service accounting firm, and they get involved with tax strategy, planning, and business growth. So I thank you both gentlemen for showing up today and being willing to talk to us. So Thanks for us. Thank you, Greg. If you guys could tell us, Bob, maybe you could start and just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your firm. Okay. I, as I mentioned, I've been with the firm 38 years. Um, I'll tell you what, for me, it's been a great ride. Early in my career, I, I thought about going into, back into the private sector, but this has afforded me an opportunity to work with so many great professionals, so many great associates, clients, and be so involved in the business community. It's enabled me to get involved with the New York State Society CPA. I'm a past president of that Suffolk chapter, past chairperson of the HIALI. I've been an adjunct professor at Stony Brook. I've just enjoyed this ride. I've enjoyed my career. I love working with my closely held clients. And being the managing partner for five years, as Tom could probably attest, is not always a lot of fun, but it's something that needs to be done. And uh, I've managed to balance these last five years between client responsibilities and managing partner, and I love it. And as you mentioned, we're in business for about 70 years now. We're a full-service firm. Um, our niches are anything anywhere from contractors to manufacturers to distributors, not-for-profit. We do have a pretty good niche in the municip municipal area. And one thing that I've really enjoyed is about 20 years ago, we started a wealth management division, which really brings, I'll say, the wealth side of your closely held clients is to 
to, to its full breadth, where you can help them plan when they're younger for their kids' education, for their retirement, and just generally wealth accumulation so that when they're ready to retire, they can retire comfortably. So for me, that's a little bit about my background and the firm. And it's just, like I said, it's been a great ride for me and I've loved every minute. That's a pretty broad resume for sure for you and the firm. Tom, what about you and, and Fuller Lowenberg? Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the company. The company, uh, we started the firm in uh, 1991. So we've been around for that many years. Um, we handle mostly small to medium-sized businesses, all privately held. Uh, we don't get into the public arena. Um, I've enjoyed the industry also. I did go, I was in private accounting for a small, a short period of time in the real estate development business. Um, myself and my partner, Howard, were both in the real estate development business. And you know, we, we started the firm after we saw the, the need um, and the just working with various clients in various industries. Um, we run the gamut of industries. Um, and it's just, it's, it is, as Bob said, it's a great ride. You have to enjoy it um, to get through it. So. so you guys both have quite a, quite a resume between the two of you. So, okay. So I don't envy you guys because you were hit in the middle of tax season with a pandemic. It's like the perfect storm <laughs> to happen in your world. Um, it produced panic in the business community. So I imagine your phones were ringing off the hooks. And we were, the business community unceremoniously got forced to close, right? Shut up, close, curtail, whichever way you want to take it. And in the beginning, it was unclear uh, that the epidemic, soon to be a pandemic, what that could mean for the businesses in the community. And there's a, there were a lot more questions than answers. So, Bob, could you take us back to that period and tell us how you were able to react to, to the developing unheaval, upheaval before the government assistance came to be? I'll tell you, Greg, I mean, I, we really started this tax season out really well. January was a very busy month, almost like we had a premonition something might be coming down the road, but we had no idea. But we worked extremely hard in January to get clients um, working here, get a test work out the door. But it was sometime in the middle of February, I just sensed something was askew. And it just seemed work was starting to get delayed slightly. And I was concerned about cash flow. And I'll tell you, even in early March, some of the things we did, we had we reacted pretty quickly by the end of February, early March. The equity partners here, we stopped taking salary. And I just sensed cash flow was going to be really start to get tight. And I was just concerned about our expenses as well. So even as we got up to and we closed, we had to close by it was St. Patty's Day, March 17th, where really we, we told everybody you're working home from remotely. And just that week before we did, we set a couple of things in motion. We did furlough two people, one of which we have since brought back. The other one, unfortunately, is our receptionist who we love dearly, but we don't have a need for a receptionist right now. We did cut the hours of a few administrative people, which we then brought back because we realized we needed them probably within two weeks of working remotely. But I think we looked at it and said, you know, we, we really need to, to watch our expenses and really start to cut some of those expenses, which was really, really important. 
And one thing that we did uh, the Thursday before the 17th, when we had to work remotely, I remember saying to my partners, listen, again, I, I was not a rocket scientist. I said, we need every Saturday we work during tax season. We need to this Saturday. Everybody needs to work remotely. We need to see A, if it'll work and B, will our system hold up? And sure enough, we did that. And yes, it did work. And sure enough, a couple of days later on that Tuesday, guess what? We were working remotely. So I, I wasn't a soothsayer, but realistically, that was probably the right thing to do at the time. And I think we did everything we could up until that moment. Right. But certainly we'll get into what's happened since working <laughs> remotely in a little bit. But yeah. that's how we kind of we kind of geared up, not knowing, like you said, the epidemic that it would turn into a pandemic. Yeah. Hey, Tom, so I know you guys were early early adopters of technology. Can you tell us, A, about the upheaval it threw at you guys and, and how you were able to utilize the technology that you already had in place? I mean, every, every business, right, is constantly up, upgrading their um, IT. And last year, we had a big push to upgrade our um, IT and in addition to security. Now, as you know, most of our staff work out in the field, so we're we are familiar anyway. Just like Bob's firm, they work out in the field, so they're familiar with remote working, remote, not just not in their house. They were doing in at clients' offices. So we had a big push um, to increase our security and our IT last year, and thank God it was ready to go. We same same thing. We tested um, our tax programs. Um, and security is a big issue, obviously, with that. So we had um, we had to upgrade our VPN system. Um, so thank God, in that respect, we were ready to go. Now our tax department doesn't necessarily always work remotely, so they had been set up also um, in advance of. You know, not that I expected a pandemic to be upon us. <laughs> um, it's the old disaster planning, just yeah. in case. Disaster planning, expecting it to be a hurricane, not a pandemic. <laughs> it's almost a good thing, but I don't, yeah. want, to, I don't want to laugh at it because it's just too serious. But right. so, how did Tom? How did you realign your personnel? Did you have to realign people to handle the different workloads that were coming at you? We did. Well, we we initially um, date wise, initially we shut down the office as far as visitors, um, and we ended up um, reducing staff in half. So we had two shifts. We'll call it shifts every other day. Um, and then that became um, four shifts. So it was four hours every other day that people could come to the office. Um, otherwise, they'd be working remotely. Um, but, but you miss the interaction with, with the staff. It works great, but um, you know, because there's still some files. You can do everything remotely, but there's, there's still certain things that you like to interact with your staff. With. So. Um, Again, the tax the tax department was a little more difficult to um, have them work remotely, but it, it's worked. Bob, what about now, what about you? I'm oh, sorry, Tom. Go ahead. And right now we're we're back to fifty percent. So every other day, full yeah. time. Yeah. We'll see where that goes next. It, 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 it's interesting, Greg, in that we're a, believe it or not, we're an essential industry, so we can work. <laughs> I mean, we took the position. We wanted our employees to be safe first and foremost. And 
that's why we really came down with the edict and said, you're working remotely, don't come to the office. And we actually contacted all our clients and said, listen, I hate to tell you this, we're not going to be able to visit your office. And we really would rather you not visit our office. So, you know, we tried to first and foremost, keep our employees safe. And by and large, I think we've done that. Um, how have we really, how's it really worked? I think the Zoom conference calls help dramatically where you can get the team together and I'll do that with the team, any of my associates, I'll do that with clients as well. So, I mean, just like this, this has really been perfect where you can see someone, you can talk to someone. I think it's worked out better than just even a conference call. So the key has been keeping in touch with clients. Um, one thing that I noticed, boy, the work has really slowed down and gotten delayed. I don't know if Tom feels the same way. I would, I tell people, this is really interesting. The last two weeks in March, I would be work 10, 12 hour days and I'm working seven days a week. Those last two weeks in March, there were some days I had very little to do. And it's almost as though people, and I call the, I call this to a degree zombies. I feel like we're in some sci-fi movie and we're like zombies just going through the motions. And even when I call clients and said, where's your tax information? We need to finish your reviewing. Oh yeah, I'll get to that. It's though they were totally not focused on any of this. So I think people are shell-shocked. Really. They absolutely are. The only thing I appeal to clients, especially tax clients, and I'd say to them, listen, I know you know your return is not due to July 15th. I don't really want to be working 10, 12-hour days in June and early July. So help, help me out and get me your information. But it was interesting how they were just not focused. It was not a priority. So I think the social distancing has certainly worked. I think getting, getting the flow of information through the remote uh, social distancing system could be better. And that's something we would have to work on. So it's been a little bit of a challenge, I must say. I actually did a survey to my uh, email database, which is about 30,000. And I asked people to rate their performance and almost nobody said they were operating at 100%. Yeah, so absolutely it, it really explains the situation. I mean, I, yeah. I'm pretty tenacious when I sit down at seven in the morning and, and I work until cocktail hour. Mm -hmm. you know, but that's not everybody. I, you can't do that. There's many distractions no. at home. And, and you know what, Greg, part of it is too, when the school's closed, and if you had parent, a parent or two, let's say they were both home and they had two young kids, A, they're trying to keep them distracted, or B, they're trying to help them with their score. There you work from home. If you have other if you have young kids around, there are a lot of distractions. Exactly. Exactly. I miss the office. I miss going to the office just because of the interaction. Mm -hmm. Really. As what Bob was saying with the uh, when people were slowing down sending their information in or even getting in touch with the clients, when you did get in touch with them, their human side was showing. <laughs> and as they said, it's, it's not that important to me right now. The health and safety of my family, my staff, everything else is the most important thing for me right now. And it was, yeah. it was interesting. It is like being in a sci-fi movie. When you see Sixth Avenue in Manhattan at five o'clock and there's no cars on it, you just right, right. for an alien ship or a zombie to walk across the street. It's really that difficult. So I, 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 just, I tell this story quick that probably late April, March, I go to a Costco at five in the afternoon. And that's when they had the plexiglass up and they had every other register and they had the pallets down the aisle. So you couldn't get. And I went through there and I walked out. And I said, that was really an interesting exercise. There was no noise, no discussion, nobody talking to anybody. It's like we were zombies, went in there. 
about our business, came out and went home. And then I go, I come, I, I drive down my block and I, I live on a horseshoe, which is, uh, makes it a fairly quiet block for traffic. And all I see is people walking up and down the block with their dogs, kids on bicycles. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, we all like zombies. It's like, we have no purpose right now. I didn't so, know there were that many people in my neighborhood. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been interesting. It really has been challenging. So, all right. So you've changed things around in both of your shops. Do you think that some of that changing is going to become permanent in your standard operating procedures? Who wants to go first? Tom, go first. To some degree, it will. Um, it's interesting that you would think that all the staff almost wants to stay home, but we hear from them constantly that they're anxious to get back to the office full, you know, at full capacity. Although they're going to be out of when clients open up, they'll be out of clients anyway, but the, the idea that they can't mm. is an issue. So, but I, I think it will open up um, the avenue to know that you have the ability to work from home when need be. One important thing will be, which I think we've all always missed, someone is sick, myself included. You know, I'm not that bad. I don't mean currently. When you, you just had a cold or a fever in the past, I can go to work. I'll be fine. I'm, I'm fine. We're all tough. We're just business owners. Let's go. No more. But I think that's going to change no for the future. Sick people. And I, don't, I don't want them here if right. they're sick. Work remote. Yeah. So that's one big thing. Bob, do you see any changes that you might want to yeah. stick with? I mean, we, we've talked about coming up with our policies and procedures for when we are permitted to open up and, and we can have our employees be, be back and the stay at home order expires. And I do think there will be, and, and I'll just tell you, Tom, you had some interesting concepts about four hours on, four hours off. We're thinking about maybe even doing splitting the staff where some of them work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, at least initially, others work Tuesday, Thursday, and then they, they rotate the next week. Just people acclimated. We want to make sure that we can maintain that six feet of separation, keep them healthy. I want them to not be that concerned. We want to make sure we have the proper PPEs for them here. And we want to make sure that they know that we're here to, to make sure that they're safe and they're going to be health, kept healthy. One of the things you, you mentioned about is one of the things we have to stress to people is if you don't feel well, if you think you are sick, please stay home. Okay. Work from home that day if you don't feel up to it and if you think you might be somewhat contagious and, and affect someone else. So I think we're, we're coming up with the policies and procedures. Um, there's some best practices out there, but it will change. As far as working remotely, Tom, I think you could appreciate this. If you're an experienced person, if I have a manager, they can probably work from home more likely, review files, things of that nature. I'll say the less experienced people, one to three year, four year people, they almost always need to be out at the client. They need to be looking at client documents. They need to be interacting with the client. Doing that remotely is probably not going to work. The thing that I'm also concerned about is, are they going to be safe when they go to a client? Does the client have the, the facility where they can maintain those six feet of separation? Yes, they can go with the sanitizing wipes. They can go with the mask. But I want to make sure when they go to clients, they're safe as well. So this is not a one size fits all. And there's going to be challenges along the way. And 
Sure. I fear that there are going to be some employees, and maybe rightfully so, I'm not going to call them germaphobes, but they may push back and say, I, I just don't feel comfortable doing this right now. Sure. And again, one size doesn't fit all. We're going to have to work with each of the, each employee depending upon their concerns and their needs. You know, when, when, when this whole scenario started, us little small business owners, including myself, we were looking at this unprecedented close of the economy and business in general, and we didn't even know if our business was going to survive. So as the government made the payroll protection plan available and expanded the disaster funding, how involved did you guys get in assisting the clients like myself who were confused and frustrated by the process? I mean, and what was your, your client's biggest obstacle in that process? So maybe that's a two-part question. How, how involved did you have to get and what was the biggest obstacle? You want to start talking to me? Go ahead. Yeah. All right. I mean, I got very involved right from the start. Um, I, I do have some really large test clients that can do a lot of that, that can digest that information, do a lot of that information gathering, deal with the bank and the application on their own. I just felt I have a lot of small business clients. I contacted every one of them, even those that were Schedule C self-employed individuals, and I wanted to make sure they understood that there was an opportunity for them to get this uh, paycheck protection program loan, portion of it, a part of it being forgiven. I don't care if it was $5,000, I wanted to bring it to their attention. Obviously, the smaller clients create more challenges. They didn't know really how to go about gathering the information, what information did I need to get together, what bank should I go to. There were challenges in that it seemed like every day or every other day, they were coming out with new guidelines and these frequently asked questions from the SBA to try to clarify all the confusion. And it was every day you had to do some research and find out, okay, what are the new guidelines that may have come out today? And then I had some clients who struggle with some of their lenders. I had a client who said, gee, I, I keep large balances with this lending institution, but they said, I don't have a business credit card. I don't have a line of credit. We can't accept your application right now. And then there was another large lending institution that in the first round never opened up and accepted applications. So there were challenges. So, I mean, I spent a lot of time guiding them in some instances, helping them gather the information, preparing some of these schedules that, that would document what uh, the, the loan uh, application amount was for, and even directing them at times to other lenders to help their get their application through. So, and even to this day, it seems like it, the guidelines, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, of what happened is, as far as the scare tactics about returning the loan money. So it, it created a lot of challenges, but it was fun helping clients out, I must say. So, Tom, how did you keep up with all that information that was coming at you perpetually? <laughs> how in the world did that happen? <laughs> I, I called it a frenzy when it first happened because you know, you, you're talking to about small to medium-sized businesses that um, what they heard of about was free money. That's, that's how it was. It, it seemed to be here. And we said, no, it's a loan that will be partially forgiven. Um, but then the questions were fast and furious. Um, if you recall, first they came out with the interim interim rules, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
And then it was the FAQs. And that's where we're getting all our guidance from, as Bob was mentioning. It's, it, they're up to 49 FAQs. Um, we have to monitor that every day because they update it almost every day because there are so many questions coming at them. Um, actually, before the PPP went in effect, they, they started doing the EIDL loans, the disaster loans that Greg mentioned before. And what happened there, Bob will attest to this, um, the government signed the, the order or the president signed the CARES Act. The next day, the SBA was accepting applications and they, it crashed the first day, right? So again, who do they turn to? Their accountant. Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to do? Why is the SBA doing this? So um, there were a lot of questions that had to be answered. So we were, we were there for them as yeah. touching base with everyone and saying, you know, we'll all get through this. I think the process, the process was a major part of the problem. Was it, was, it was so quickly put out there that the, the nobody, what are the unforeseen consequences? There were many, right? Right. They seem to have gotten their act together now, and the process seems to be working. All right. Each, again, as Bob was attesting to, too, is each bank had a different set of rules. Oh, yeah. Right? Everyone was asking for something different. Yeah. So, yeah. Very true. It was not uniform, exactly. Right. Yep. So now, okay, so we've got all of this federal relief money floating around in different sizes and shapes and whatever. So your jobs are to help your clients remain on sound financial footing. In light of the fact that the economy is closed, we're not ready to reopen yet. What kind of advice have you been giving business owners to, to just try and keep them sane? <laughs> well, it's always about planning, right? In any business, um, plan for the, what's, what's coming. How do you do that? Um, Bob said they did it in their own firm as we did. Watch your overhead costs. Um, and, and you're going to go into the forgiveness part. That's a separate issue. But to, to, to just prepare for the unknown, start making sure we, and we assist them with looking at their projections, their budgeting, cutting costs where they need to. Okay. Bob? And try to stay sane. Sit. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Bob? I would agree with that. I, I think um, some of it is being a therapist for clients and, you know, making sure that um, they, we can call them in off the ledge, but realistically it's about what I, what I call at this point for some clients, almost survival mode. Okay. What do you need to do? Your revenues, you know, have dropped significantly or a certain percentage. What do we need to do to survive? And that's really what it comes down to is cutting costs, um, even even the part on the loans, you know, clients would tell me, well, I, I can't really open up. How am I going to get the forgiveness? And I'd say to them, listen, I'm not worried about the forgiveness necessarily, but if you can't, if you can't operate or you really shut down, then you need your employees, we've already furloughed them, just go down to the bare minimum. And even if you don't get any forgiveness, at least you'll have a loan in working capital and a loan at two for two years at 1%, which is pretty reasonable, but at least you'll have the working capital. So, you know, you've got to look at, have some foresight and say, what might happen in three months, six months? I mean, we're not going to tell all of this, but I tell people I live day to day so at, at some point because I just can't look that far into the future, but you've got to 
guide my own business and I've got to guide clients on what they need to do to be the, be around three to six months from now. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the point. The point is nobody really has a crystal ball. But you brought up forgiveness. So let's have a small conversation about forgiveness. People seem to be very concerned. Am I going to get anything forgiven? Can I get the whole thing forgiven? So maybe there's a couple of key points you'd like to share with business owners about forgiveness. Tom, you want to go first, please? Uh, well, we have the rules are still coming out. Um, so we, we have current rules that we're trying to guide them with as far as their full-time equivalents, bringing the employees back, um, bringing them to the, a similar pay grade that they were. Um, we try to re- remind them that this was to try and bring their employees back and off unemployment. Hmm. But um, it, it's difficult as any business owner to pay their employee when they're not working. But that was the purpose of the loan. Um, so that, that's where we are with it. Okay. Bob? I would say, Greg, I'm probably less concerned. At least there's been some guidance. There's a, the application out there, the forgiveness application. I still think there are certain expenditures that need to be clarified um, that I, I can't answer certain. I can't answer clients just yet. But one of the things, um, and I've told clients right from the get-go, my own feeling is when they looked at the payroll costs that were really, uh, that you used for the loan, it probably amounted to about 10 and a half weeks, you know, doing your your annual expenses, divide by 12 for monthly times two and a half. And I said, now they're, they're compacting the eligible expenses in eight weeks. So I said to most clients, maybe you're only going to get 75, 80% of forgiveness. That's not the worst thing. So don't, don't worry about necessarily getting 100%. Operate your business properly. And even if you end up with some excess amounts, you either return it or you treat it as a loan. So I said, don't be so alarmed about that. Um, one of the things, and we could probably touch upon this, Tom, and you could elaborate as well. I mean, that FAQ 46 there were scare tactics. It was interesting. Mnuchin at the start of this said, this is great for every business that's eligible. You'd be a fool not to apply for it. And then two weeks later, there were scare tactics. You know, if you in good faith don't need this money, if you have other lines of credit, other available, then you should give the money back. And we had a deadline, a firm deadline of May 7th to return it. Then they extended it to May 14th. And we're all sitting on eggshells. I'm advising my clients, well, maybe you should give it back. And then on the 13th, they said, all right, anybody with a loan under $2 million, you, you got really a get out of jail free card that if you signed it um, in good faith, then we're not going to go in. There's no way we would prosecute, prosecute you. So I do think that the forgiveness every day, as Tom said, there are probably going to be new guidance that'll come out that'll clarify this, that by the time we're ready to help clients submit the applications there'll be a lot more focus on it. But let's face it, it's not been clarity from day one. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. Tom? Trying to tell the clients to focus on running your business and don't panic with how much I can get forgiven. That they're focusing, too many are focusing just on that. Yeah, it's, you know, from sitting in in the corner office seat, it's like a really, it's a chess game now because, 
you know, we went through the process and we were straightforward. We didn't, you know, there was no subterfuge, no nothing. We needed the money, right, to, to keep going. And I said to my people, I said, as long as we've done that, to use the term in good faith, mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not legal experts. We're not accounting experts. We just said, hey, this is what they're telling us and this is what we did. So I think in retrospect, maybe you guys will tell me I'm wrong, but I think that's going to go a long ways when it comes time for forgiveness. If you can, if you can articulate the reasons why and what you actually did with the money. Am I, am I wrong? I agree with you. Yeah, I would agree with what you're saying. Absolutely true. Because <laughs> that, that gives me some comfort level because I know we're trying to walk the line and make sure we do this correctly. So nobody can say, hey, guess what? You, you, you screwed the pooch here and you shouldn't have done that. We don't right. want to do that for sure. We want to make sure we're credible. So if business owners stick to that, they'll have a, a, a better path to justify the forgiveness that they ask for. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right. So I've been asking all of my guests, and this is, you've already said you don't have a crystal ball, Rob, but I'm going to ask you anyhow. <laughs> so as things are starting to loosen up a bit, Tell me what you see in terms of when we're going to be able to reopen and when do you think we're going to see something that looks like normal? Well, we have now a stay-at-home order till May 28th, which tells me, and I always hoped that by June 1st, we'd start to see the start of at least certain businesses opening up. Um, I'm, I don't know when, what the new normal will be initially. And, and if you just run to the end game, I don't think anything will be normal until we have a vaccine. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned about a boomerang early on. I'm concerned about later in the fall, in the winter, when it's really flu season and maybe coronavirus season. I'm concerned about people out there just saying, I've had enough of this. Stay at home. I've got to get out and live my life and not do the things wearing masks staying six feet apart, not doing the things that keep them safe and the people around them safe. So as much as I'm an optimist, I'm also a realist. And I want to be certain that my employees are safe, my family's safe, my friends are safe, you guys are safe. And I hope that people will do the right things. And as long as we take baby steps, I think we've got an opportunity. But I'll be honest with you guys, they could open up restaurants tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to rush back into a restaurant initially. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be rather cautious on what I do to keep, again, myself and the people around me safe. So I think it's going to be a while before we get back to any sense of normalcy. I'm hoping from a business standpoint, financial statements still have to get done. Tax returns still have to get done. I think from my perspective, business, we will probably get back to some normal sense of normalcy. As far as living a normal life, I think it's going to take it's going to take a while and maybe a vaccine um, to get to that point. Yeah, I hate to say that. I, I, I'm echoing exactly what Bob's saying. I mean, what's the oh, new Tom, normal? Who Tom, knows? Tom, you have a little bit of a different perspective because of your side hustle. Maybe you I'm can, sorry because of your side hustle. You've seen a lot of it already. <laughs> I have. People um, don't understand. Tom is a, is is a the chief of the. Uh, you tell him. Comac, Comac EMS. So I've been riding ambulances for a long time. Um, so yes, I've seen um, what's what's going on. A lot of sick people out there. Um, 
which is you know heartbreaking to and all ages, all ages. You know they they talk about the elderly and it's, it's all ages. Um, so the social distancing, you know, as far as Bob had said, we have to take baby steps. Um, and I think if we take those baby steps, enough people um, will be will make sure people keep the the distance and wear their masks when they need to. Because you can go places and you'll see other people, one person yelling at another, get their mask on. Besides what's on on the internet. And, yeah, yeah. But going back to the EMS side, yeah, there's um, but I do see a tremendous decline in the number of calls, call volume out there. So they were running, there were about, not to go into details, but there was about 360, they were averaging uh, EMS alarms for COVID. Now I think we're around 40 in the county, Suffolk County. Okay. So that, that's an indicator. Big indicator. I was, I was interviewing Dr. Fetterman from Huntington Hospital this morning, and he was, he was actually letting me know they were the actual the epicenter of the epicenter here in Suffolk County. They were the biggest hit. And it, what they did was amazing. So that, that didn't, I did that this morning. So we're editing that now. That should be out in a day or two. Um, mm-hmm. But I agree with both of you in terms of reopening and what it's going to look like. And I think you're both correct. We have to be smart. We have to be cautious. We have to follow the guidelines, even if we don't agree with them all. People who issue these guidelines are not trying to do anything that's going to harm us. They're trying to help us. Right. So whatever your political stripe, wherever you fall on that issue is moot. Right. Because you've got people who are vulnerable. You've got like Tom said, it's all ages. It's everybody. And if we don't do our jobs individually, we can't expect the rest of society to do it. So we have to lead by example. And I definitely agree with that. But back to the business side of this, I've been telling my clients that now is not the time to hunker down. You, you have to go back to where you were before the crisis struck. The economy was good. Business was good. Innovation was happening, plans were being made, and then it stopped. It hit a brick wall. But it was all there. And if you don't focus on that, knowing where you were, you get no place to go back to. So my advice to my clients is don't hunker down now. You need to stay in front of your market. You need to stay in front of your clients. You need to let them know you're relevant, you're active, and you're working for them so that they're free to come back and say, okay, I'm ready now. Let's go do something. So that's my, that's my five cents for the day uh, to my clients. But I really, really, really appreciate you guys sitting down and talking. It's very, very informative. You guys have a big job to do. And you're going to help us a lot get out of this. So yes. Let me just say one thing. You are absolutely right. And unfortunately, whenever there's a downturn, one of the first thing, one of the first expenses people cut outside of some labor is their marketing and advertising. Mm-hmm. And you try, I try to remind clients that you still need to be, as you say, relevant. You still need to be in front of people. And I will tell you, just from a personal perspective, one of the people we furloughed was our marketing person for several weeks. And I realized we were really, we were dark when it came to, came to communication. And that was not a good feeling. And even before, you know, uh, we got any loan money, we had to get her back on board because we needed to be, we needed to be out there. Yeah. 
And I would, I, I remind clients of that all the time. Be, to me, cash is still king right now. Be smart about what you're doing, but you can't just go dark. Yeah. It's not going to help you long term. It's going to hurt you short term and long term. So I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I you know, 08, 09 were very kind of similar in that regard. And I do remember what my company did. Now, we're in the business, but we followed our own advice. And we said, you know what? Now is not the time. So we scraped up that extra bucks to get out there and stay out there. And we came out in a much better position than we did before. It's a hard lesson to learn. It's a hard thing to do when, like you said, cash is king. And you're looking at the cash flow and you're going, oh, man, I got three cents left. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do with it? Well, I'm going to tell you, take a penny and spend it on marketing because you're going to need it. Right. It'll pay. <laughs> we all agree with. Right? Pay dividends. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And Tom. Listen, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I just, can I say one last thing? Absolutely. Tom, thank you for your service as a, a first responder. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Welcome. Have a wonderful right. day. Thank you very much again. Everybody thank be safe. Guys. We appreciate right. the opportunity. Stay safe. Stay safe. Thanks, Stay guys. Safe. That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button and don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.